After a great start to the weekend, things quickly turned bad for the Atlanta Braves as they drop a series in Seattle to the Mariners. Jake Odorizzi has another rough outing. Kenley Jansen blows another save, which brings into question what needs to happen in the rotation for the Braves. Do changes need to be made? And is it time to give Rysela Iglesias a shot at the closer's role? We'll talk about that. Also give you our weekly minor league update on a Monday episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I'm covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I've been the co-editor for several years now. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves, where you can send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell so that you can help support the show. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the weekend series in Seattle, talk about Odorizzi's performance and what needs to happen in the rotation. Is his time there over? Talk about Kenley Jansen and his struggles continuing in one-run games, and is it time for him to lose his job and perhaps give Iglesias a chance or uh, maybe even A.J. Minter will discuss that. We'll also give our weekly minor league update. You have one minor league team for the Braves whose season has come to an end, so we'll talk about that, and then we'll set you up for Monday's game against the San Francisco Giants. The Braves do end up losing a series in Seattle. Look, there's nothing wrong with losing a series to the Seattle Mariners, who are a very good team, but you just felt like the Braves – had a chance to to win it certainly and just weren't able to pull it out um but certainly you know nothing wrong with losing a series in seattle a tough place to play that's a really good team that i think is just going to get better over the years to come um we'll talk about it the offense just wasn't able to get anything going on saturday and then after a heroic comeback and the ninth inning on sunday you had another blown save by kenley jansen so it was a really entertaining, fun series from a baseball perspective, but it was a, a tough series loss. And coupled with the fact that the Mets bounced back after losing on Friday night to win the next games, next two games against the Marlins, they now take a one and a half game lead back in the NL East. So certainly hate the way things played out. As I said the other day, things far from over. The Mets' schedule is just too easy the rest of the way. The Braves pretty much have to be perfect down the stretch and. You got to take advantage to win every game that you have the opportunity to do so. And they weren't able to do that on Sunday. And the Mets are back now to a game and a half lead over the Atlanta Braves. So Braves got some work to do. And again, they're going to need some help from some unexpected sources in the rest of this month if they are going to overtake the Mets and stay on top of the Mets in the NL East. But let's start with Sunday's game. I think that's the one that's really needed to talk about. Saturday, 
offense just couldn't get anything going. Max Fried gave up a couple of home runs, but was good otherwise. Uh, just really, really wasn't much going at all for the Atlanta Braves on Saturday as they lost that game to the Seattle Mariners 3-1. to But Sunday, I felt like, was a really good chance to bounce back and win that game and win those series. Thought it was a very favorable matchup for the Braves' offense. They couldn't get anything going, but also Jaco DeRizzi just didn't help matters at all and allowed things to kind of get out of hand early on. Skipped his last start with arm fatigue, so was hoping he'd be well-rested, come back and pitch a good game as we had seen him do in his previous two outings. But instead comes in, can't get out of the, the fifth inning there, or the fourth inning rather, just goes three and two-thirds innings, gives up four runs, three walks. Um, just really, you know, not a good outing. And he had a leadoff base runner in every inning. So certainly not what you were hoping for. And you look at his time with the Braves now, six starts, 29 innings pitched, 35 hits. That's a a lot of hits. 10 walks as well. That's a lot of walks. He only had 17 walks in all of his starts with the Astros. 16 earned runs, just 22 strikeouts, a 4.97 ERA and a 1.55 whip. Again, in six starts with the Braves. He's completed five innings in just 50% of his starts. Even as a fifth starter, you would be hoping to get a little bit more consistency and length out of your fifth starter going at least five innings more often than not. And that has not been the case so far. Again, just three of six starts, he's gone at least five innings. He's given up a home run in all but one of his outings, struggling with the home run ball. Look, uh, most of you probably aren't going to agree with me on this, and that's fine. I, I still think he's okay as a fifth starter on most teams, but the Braves are one of the best teams in baseball. Their record shows that this is a team fighting for a division, trying to avoid a division title, trying to avoid a first-round buy in the postseason, and I just I think they have better options. And that's where you know we stand right now with Jake Odorizzi is – Again, I, I think over the course of a season, I think you can live with him as your fifth starter if he's consistently giving you five outings. And I think the changes he's, he's made, when used correctly, I think are fine. It's just the margin of error with him is so thin. That four-seam fastball, which has a lot of run on it, if he's locating it correctly and he's getting it up and into righties, up and away to lefties, if he can continually hit that spot, he's very effective and has been very effective over his last couple of starts. But if he misses over the middle with that, that pitch, it's getting hit hard. And you saw that in the game on Sunday. Anytime he missed with that four-seam fastball up and over the middle of the plate, it was getting crushed, whether it was the home run to Julio Rodriguez or it was the triple to Adam Frazier, both of those were four seamers that you wanted, you know, up and away to Frazier or up and in to, to Rodriguez, and they didn't get there, and they stayed out over the middle, and they got absolutely demolished. So, again, when he locates that pitch, I think he's he's very effective and can be very effective, but it's just the margin of error with him is so thin because he doesn't throw very hard, so you leave that over the middle, and it's going to get crushed. So, Again, I think he can be effective. I think that pitch is been effective, but it's just a small margin of error because he doesn't throw particularly hard. And you know, for any pitcher, you're leaving pitches over the middle of the plate. It gives the batter a better chance 
of squaring one up. But it was really the two walks in the fourth inning. I mean, he had been okay through the first three innings. He gave that leadoff homer to Julio Rodriguez. But then he started off that fourth inning walking a couple batters. Got squeezed on a pitch against Carlos Santana, but really just wasn't – the pitches weren't close in those first two at-bats, and you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt when you're not around the zone. So you walk those first two batters, and like I said, left that four-seamer that cut right down the middle of the plate to Adam Frazier. He crushed it for a triple. Uh, made it three to one. And he had a runner on third with nobody out and got the next two guys. And I thought, okay, if he escapes this, only giving up, you know, those two runs, you know, I feel like he has at least done a, a good job of keeping the team in the game. Maybe he can give you, you know, one more inning and get through five. But then he gives up another hit to the number nine batter, another run. And that right there was just the end of it. You could kind of see it in Snickers walk out to the mound. He was over it at that point. I think Braves fans are over it at this point. I think you got to take him out of the rotation. I don't know what you do with him. And, and in all honesty, I don't understand his contract structure. Um, so maybe somebody in the comments can help explain this. I was talking it over with others, and it's just kind of confusing because he has the player option. But I think if the Braves just DFA him now, it's a $3.2 million buyout. Um, but – I think we're at that point. Look, you gave up Will Smith, who wasn't giving you much in the bullpen, and you were paying him a lot. You know, if you got to eat $3.25 million to cut out a Rizzi to give you a better chance every fifth day, I think that's a risk the Braves are going to have to take right now. And you look at the other options, Bryce Elder, who has pitched well, um, Kyle Muller, who has been great at Gwinnett and was great last time he came up. I think those are two solid options I'd rather see over Oda Rizzi right now. Mike Soroka working his way back. We'll talk about him more when we go through the minor league segment. And you got Ian Anderson as well, who the results haven't been great at AAA, but Odorizzi's not giving you really much more than what Ian Anderson was giving you. And at least we've seen Ian Anderson be good at times with the Braves in the past. So I just think there's other options you got to explore. I think Odorizzi's time has kind of ran out with the Atlanta Braves, and it's time to move on. Speaking of moving on, it may be time to move on in the closer's role as well. Kenley Jansen has seven blown saves on the year now, second most in all of baseball, three in the last two weeks. And in his last seven games, he's pitched five and two-thirds innings, given up seven hits, four walks, seven earned runs, and five strikeouts. Now, it did look like maybe things were coming together his last two outings. His last two outings were clean, no hits, no walks. What you love to see, he hasn't walked anybody in his last three appearances, but he's also allowed a run in four of his last seven appearances. And when you're a closer and you're coming into tight games, especially one-run games, you need more scoreless outings, basically, when you're coming out of the bullpen, and he's just not giving you that lately. He's given up multiple runs in three of his last seven outings as well. He's been good at times this year, and I think the Braves are going to need him to be good again if they're going to do anything in the postseason, but you clearly can't trust him right now, especially in a one-run game. And I think it's Bryce Iglesias' turn to get a shot. Look, Iglesias was having some issues in, in Anaheim as well. He has four blown saves on the year and 21 chances. That's 19 fewer than Kenley Jansen. He blew five saves all of last year and 39 chances. But with the Braves, a 15, 15 and two-thirds innings, just eight hits, four walks, one earn, no home runs, and 19 strikeouts. He's been pretty dominant. And what I love is walk rate, 6.4% compared to 8.7% for Kenley Jansen. 
you know, you know the guy's going to come in and throw strikes. You know he's not going to walk a bunch of batters. So I certainly love that out of somebody in that closer's role. You could also play matchups in the ninth inning. You could bring in, you know, if you know you have a bunch of lefties coming up in the eighth inning, then you bring in Mentor and save Iglesias for the ninth or vice versa. If you have a bunch of lefties or a bunch of righties coming up in the eighth inning, then maybe you pitch Iglesias and save Mentor for the ninth. So I think you can play matchups there as well. Look, Kinley, I'm not giving up on Kinley completely on the closers role. It's getting kind of late in the season, um, you know, to really switch and then maybe go back. But I think for this point, he needs to be moved down into some lower level, lower leverage situations until he gets things figured out. And one thing I've noticed in September, he's throwing his cutter less for some reason, even though that pitch is still unhittable and the numbers show, you know, batters just aren't squaring it up. And you look at the home runs he gave up on Sunday. One was on a slider and one was on a sinker. And he threw six cutters on Sunday. Five of them, four of them were strikes, or all five or five of them were strikes. One of them produced an out. Only one of them was called a ball. I don't know why he's not going to that cutter more. It's his best pitch. I mean, he's th still throwing it over 50% of the time, but I mean, he should be throwing it 60-plus percent of the time. It's his best pitch. Hitters aren't hitting it. You're struggling like you are. Why are you not throwing that pitch more? The only thing I can think of is that he just doesn't have the confidence in it right now, and he has struggled with command at times over the last you know, two or three weeks now. But I think he needs to rely more on that cutter going forward. If you're going to go down, go down with your best pitch. And right now, I just think he's gone away from it a little too much. I want to just quickly talk about the offense. It went silent for a time. I talked about Saturday. They did virtually nothing. And then against Marco Gonzalez, I mean, just two hits and no walks in six innings against Marco Gonzalez. Look, the, all the blame can go on the pitching Sunday. They ended up scoring seven runs. When you score seven runs, you got to win that game. But the offense did nothing against Marco Gonzalez virtually through six innings. The only run they scored was an Austin Riley home run on a 3-0 cookie that he got right down the middle. So they did literally nothing outside of that against Marco Gonzalez. That just can't happen from this Braves offense. Acuna and Swanson go 0 for 9. Acuna and Swanson, Riley, and Olsen were a combined 1 for 14. Olsen did walk twice, and Riley homered and had that walk. But the top of the order, really not getting it done. 1 for 7 runners in scoring position on Sunday. So this offense, look, it can strike quick. We saw that in the ninth inning, what they can do. But you, you just can't disappear for innings at a time like that, especially against a guy, against Marco Gonzalez, a lefty, which Braves typically crush, and they just do nothing for six innings of the game. That just can't happen. And then I wanted to mention Michael Harris versus Julio Rodriguez, two of the best rookies in all of baseball. They put on a show over the weekend. Again, just from a fan perspective, it was a lot of fun to see. Michael Harris, four hits on the weekend, three homers and a double. J-Rod had six hits on the weekend, two home runs and a double. He also walked three times. He had the game-tying home run in the ninth inning on Sunday. So those two were a lot of fun to watch, going to be a lot of fun for years to come as they are both locked up long-term for their respective teams. So I did enjoy that, although uh, J-Rod continually killed the Braves. That was not fun. All right, next we'll turn our attention to the minor league level uh, where the seasons are about to wrap up. For the Braves prospects, we'll look at that next. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. 
Create a free job post in minutes and LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire, interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. The minor league season is coming to an end, um, but uh, it's obviously been a very good season for the Braves prospects who have come up and made a major impact at the big league level. Looking at the current top prospects for the Atlanta Braves, Kyle Muller this past week, five innings, six hits, two walks, three earned, six strikeouts. Not his best outing, but solid overall. Jared Schuster, who again, struggled a little bit since getting called up to AAA. Four innings, four hits, one walk, three earned, four strikeouts. Bryce Elder did not pitch this last week. He pitched for the Braves last week. Gwinnett's had a lot of rainouts, which has really hurt Ozzie Albee's rehab assignment, uh, but Elder did not pitch this last week. Owen Murphy bounced back. He and J.R. Ritchie, Ritchie actually both bounced back after their first uh, rough outings as professionals. Owen Murphy, four innings, no hits, one walk, no earn, five strikeouts. And then J.R. Ritchie, four innings, three hits, no walks, one earned. It was on a home run, solo home run. He did hit a batter, but had six strikeouts. So both of the Braves' top two uh, recent draft picks really bounced back well in what could be their last outings of the year. Darius Vines for Gwinnett, five innings, five hits, two walks, no earned, three strikeouts, solid performance there. Freddie Tarnock, who didn't get to pitch last week um, because of rain, uh, had a little bit of rust maybe, just three innings, gave up six hits, two walks, seven earned runs, two home, two home runs allowed, and just three strikeouts. Justin Henry Malloy, he is really putting on a nice finish to this season. He was eight for 22 last week. Had a double, a double, a homer, and seven walks. He had a 516 on base percentage this past week. He has 13 walks in his last 11 games. And there's a lot of strikeout, uh, strikeouts in his game, a lot of swing and miss. But if you can, you know, kind of offset that with a good eye at the plate and take some walks with the power that he's shown, the extra base hit ability. Um, we could be talking about a pretty special player in Justin Henry Malloy, who certainly has had a great finish to his season there at Mississippi. A.J. Smith-Shalver still hasn't pitched since August 5th. I still really have heard no word on the injury issue for him. I got to think he's done for the regular season. But I think perhaps if the injury isn't you know too significant, I think we could see him in the Arizona Fall League uh, later this year. I think he'd be a good candidate to go there for the Braves to get those innings that he missed some notables from each level at Gwinnett Taylor Motter nine for 15 two doubles four home runs seven runs batted in four walks to just two strikeouts he slashed 600 684 1533 this past week that's a 22 17 OPS so a huge week for Ta Taylor Motter in the games that Gwinnett did get to play Hernan Perez had another good week as well six for 19 with two homers two stolen bases um both of those guys, you know, veteran middle infielders or, or infielders, um, you know, that are there for depth. Maybe they don't aren't needed, but 
Uh, certainly have been performing well at Gwinnett this year if needed. Michael Tonkin, uh, Gwinnett's closer, two innings, no hits, one walk, no earn, three Ks, two saves. He's been pretty good lately after a rough month of August. At Mississippi, Andrew Moritz was nine for 18, three doubles, two home runs, seven runs scored, five runs batted in. So a big week at the plate for Andrew Moritz. Jalen Miller was seven for 22 with two doubles, a homer, eight walks, and four stolen bases. And then the Braves pitching at Mississippi really good last week. Tanner Gordon, five innings, five hits, two walks, just two earned and six strikeouts. And Allen Winans, five innings, six hits, one walk, two runs, none earned and six strikeouts. I feel like those guys have been on this list uh, the last couple of weeks now. You know, nothing overpowering, but I feel like those guys are turning into solid back of the rotation starters, and so that's good to see. Indigo Diaz, who I think could be a big part of the bullpen uh, maybe as soon as next year. Three three innings this past week, no hits, no walks, no earn, and five strikeouts, so a big week for him. Down at Rome, who the regular season is over for Rome, but they won their division, so they'll be in the postseason this week. But Cal Conley was solid this past week at the plate, 5 for 14, a double and a homer. On the mound, Luis Diavila, six innings, four hits, one walk, no earned, and eight strikeouts. And then Roy Salinas, five innings, one hit, one walk, did hit a batter and six strikeouts. I tweeted this out, but over his last four games started, 18 innings pitched, just seven hits allowed, he has walked eight batters, but six of those came in one outing, just two in the other three starts. Only three earned runs allowed and 24 strikeouts. So been really good for Roy Salinas lately. He was great at Augusta to start the year, got the promotion to Rome, kind of struggled a little bit. But here over his last four starts, seems to be figuring some things out. Big arm there for Salinas. And at Augusta, whose season does come to an end, recent draft hit Kevin Kilpatrick had seven hits on the week including three doubles, a stolen base, four runs scored. Drake Baldwin was six for 21, had four walks as well to just six strikeouts. Jorge Bautista, seven innings pitched, six hits, one walk, one earned, and eight strikeouts. James Acuna, two games, five and a third innings pitched, no hits, no walks, no earned, seven strikeouts, and a save. And then Blake Burkhalter, uh, one of the recent draft picks from Auburn, one game started, which is interesting in itself that he started the game. Three innings pitched, no hits, no walks, six strikeouts. You know, he was a reliever for Auburn when the Braves drafted him. So we'll see if they develop him as a starter or as a reliever. Uh, this past outing would lead you to believe that perhaps they still envision him as a starter, but a very good outing for him with Augusta perhaps to finish his season. Mike Soroka, Ed Gwinnett, his last rehab start, four innings, three hits, two walks, three earned, three strikeouts, 76 pitches. So that final line doesn't look great. But when you look back at the outing, he breezed through the first three innings. In the first inning, it was ground out, line out, called, stri called strikeout. And then second inning, ground out, ground out, walk, and ground out. So getting the ball on the ground. In the third inning, it was ground out, strikeout, swinging, ground out. So two more ground outs in the third inning. And then for whatever reason, beginning of the fourth inning, things just kind of fell apart. He started the inning with a walk and then a, followed by a double, triple, and single. Then he got a strikeout, a strikeout swing, a flyout, and a ground out to end his outing. So perhaps, you know, still kind of working up that stamina, going deep into games. That's why I don't know that I completely trust calling him up right now to take the spot of Odorizzi. I think I need to see another. I need to see him get through five innings, which he hasn't been able to do quite yet. I need to see him get up closer to 90 pitches and 
honestly just see the results a little bit better. I mean, seeing him getting the ball on the ground is great. But I think, you know, obviously uh, coming back after not pitching for two years, still trying to work up that stamina. So I think we see at least another uh, rehab outing for Mike Soroka. Ian Anderson already talked about this on the podcast the other day. Five and a third innings, four hits, four walks, four earned, five strikeouts. You know, even as bad as he's been since going back down to Gwinnett, at least the walks had been down until this last performance. So, again, I don't really know that I trust Ian Anderson being called up to take Odorizzi at this point, which is why I put Elder and Moeller ahead of both Soroka and Anderson at the moment. And then Ozzie Albies, just one for 11 this past week, three strikeouts. Overall, he's just three for 18, no walks and four strikeouts. All the rainouts really hurting him. He's only played in five games, two of those in the field, which is good to see last week. But he just needs more at-bats. He needs more time. And as I said, thankfully, Von Grissom, who had a scary moment in the game on Sunday, is okay. Um, because, you know, the way he's been playing, you know, there's no reason to really rush Ozzy Albies. Let him get his at-bats. Let him get back up to speed and get where we know that he can be before calling him up. So that's your weekly minor league update. Again, just a couple more on the season. And then I'll do my updated top 10 in the offseason. Next, we'll turn the page to the Braves versus the Giants in their game on Monday night. We'll talk about that next. The Atlanta Braves will look to bounce back Monday night as they head to San Francisco for a three-game set with the Giants, their final West Coast trip of the year. The Giants are 8-12 and in their last 20 games, 13-17 and in their last 30 games. They just won a series at Wrigley over the Cubs but had lost five in a row before that. They have a 672 OPS as a team over the last 30 days. That's 21st in MLB. Pitching, which has been solid, uh, in the last couple of years and really carried them. They have a 373 ERA and a 1.28 whip over their last 30 days. So still pretty solid pitching wise, but offensively just haven't been getting it done uh, over the last 30 days. The matchup on Monday night, Spencer Strider versus Alex Cobb. Alex Cobb's been really good over his last seven starts, two and one, a 290, 290 ERA, a 131 whip. That whip would lead you to believe perhaps there's a little bit of luck involved there. But 40 and a third innings, 39 hits, 14 walks, 41 strikeouts. Before his last start, which he only lasted four and a third innings against the Dodgers, he had gone at least five innings in 12 straight starts and given up three earned or less in 11 of them. So, you know, consistently going out there, giving his team innings and keeping his team in the game is what Alex Cobb has done. He throws the sinker, a splitter, and a curveball the majority of the time. He has big whiff rates on that split and that curve and he seeks to get soft contact on that sinker, which can be in the mid-90s, and he's hoping to get hitters to chase it you know, off the plate for some weak contact. So that's a strategy to watch for Alex Cobb. Strategy for Spencer Strider is to blow people away and rack up the strikeouts, and hopefully that's what he's going to do on Monday night as the Giants have the fifth most strikeouts in all of baseball. They do also have the fifth most walks, so hopefully – Strider has his command with him from the start. We saw last outing really struggled in that first inning, uh, but the Giants will take their walks. They also will strike out a ton, and let's hope that's the case for Spencer Strider as he, is, he needs 17 strikeouts in his next 10 innings to be the quickest player ever to reach 200 strikeouts in a single season, breaking a record set by Randy Johnson. So would love to see that happen either way. Him getting to 200 strikeouts this year, which he'll likely do over his next two starts, 
would be pretty incredible. But most of all, the Braves need a win. Last two losses, obviously pretty tough, especially the one on Sunday. We've seen the Braves bounce back for much worse this year. Hopefully they can do that on Monday, get on another winning streak. Like I said, in this West Coast trip strong. And hopefully the Braves get a little bit of help for the from the Cubs who are playing the New York Mets this week. That will do it for this episode. Thanks for making a Lockdown Braves your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown MLB Podcast, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and talks about the biggest stories from around the league. I was actually on his podcast the other day talking about the Atlanta Braves, if you want to go check that out. But again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 